0: All these institutions and traditions that have carried humanity for thousands of years, they're just bad because they're old. (laughs) And, like, we don't have to do that because we're cool, we're hip. You know, we work a nine-to-five job at a media agency. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the WaxCast podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Wax. This is episode 38. Today I'm joined by a good friend of mine, a friend of the show, producer Angel. Angel, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Well, I would say thank you for coming on. It's kind of a formality considering <laughs> you were here just filming a podcast with us. Well, we're going to jump right into it. You had Let's me on your podcast. That's how we originally met. I had you on one of my first episodes. Now we're back here in person to talk about God knows what. It's been a crazy, <laughs> uh, crazy few weeks. I mean, we just had the great James O'Keefe in here. What'd you think about that? you
1: It was insane to just see the way his mind works and Mm. to see the the way he approaches things and the reason behind his approach. I think that was interesting. Uh, I I think that Project Veritas has like a really unique opportunity right now to bring things to the forefront that nobody else in journalism is doing.
0: No one else is doing what they're doing. I mean, there's no one else out there, even on the left or right, that's really just going into these places, digging, you know, embedding themselves, getting whistleblowers, finding leaks and just exposing things. I mean, maybe WikiLeaks used to do that, but even WikiLeaks was. really. WikiLeaks almost just collected stuff that was out there. They weren't actively sending in, you know, uh, investigative reporters like the way uh, PV is doing. I mean, it's it's really the only thing out there, which is kind of a sad reflection on our society that we don't have more outlets like that.
1: Yeah. By the way, while I was sitting over there, you mentioned uh, Brave New World. Yeah. And you were talking about the pill. I just oh, want to say I know the name of what it. What is it? Soma.
0: Soma. <laughs> so I was trying to think of the name because I remember there was this game, The Elder Scrolls, and there was a drug in the Elder Scrolls game called Skooma or something. Uh, okay. And I was about to say Skooma, and I was like, wait a minute, that's from the Elder, that's from Oblivion, that's from uh, Morrowind or whatever. And I was like, what? That's really nerdy. Uh, and I was like, what the hell is a drug? Soma. And To get even
1: more nerdy, the reason I know that is because my favorite band is the Smashing Pumpkins, and they have a song called Soma
0: that I heard for the first time the
1: same year that I read the book. Well, the reason (laughs) that
0: came up is because, you know, he, uh, James, was talking about, you know, 1984, Brave New World, all these dystopian literature. And I basically made the point that I said, well, it seems like what we're living in today is almost like a blend between 1984 and Brave New World. And the kind of the division of it was 1984 was like this aggressive one party state. It was very in your face. It was very openly tyrannical. You know, they had the guy on the TV. They had the one minute of hate, all that stuff. And then Brave New World was a little more insidious. It was like everyone was just hooked up to drugs. Right. And like they couldn't even tell like they were living in a tyranny. Yeah. And I basically said it's kind of in between because you have a lot of people that are basically, you know, they're they're, they're living in a consumerist society. They're living in the moment. They have no belief in God. They have no belief in higher purpose. And that's part of it. But then there's also this really aggressive in your face propaganda misinformation. So it's kind of like the worst of both worlds.
1: Yeah. I think that there's like a very, uh, postmodern mindset that everybody has now, especially like when I talk to younger people, it's, it's interesting to hear how not grounded or unconcrete all of their opinions are. Yeah. Everything is just kind of in midair. Like, well, I think that's right because maybe I feel it's right. And, and that to me is just, it's a horrible, it it leads down a very terrible and like dangerous path. I think that's why I I focus so much on talking about objective truth, even in the context of Christianity, because I think that's the frame of reference. That's the framework we need to start from in order to make any progress in any conversation. Oh,
0: I agree. I mean, objective truth is like, you know, it's like it's the enemy of the left. It's the enemy yeah. of everything they stand for because, you know, it's – actually, it's kind of changing. They started off – everything was relative. Morality is relative. Right. You know, uh everything is – you know, even beauty is relative. There's no objective standards in anything and it just kind of just destroyed society because if you don't have objective standards in morality or aesthetics or whatever, everything just becomes blah. And right. it just – you just ruin the whole foundations of society. But now I think they're even shifting. They're going from like their kind of relativism. Now they're just entering – they're re-entering sort of objective standards, but they're their objective standards. It's not. It's not just oh, the culture that sacrifices children is just as equal as Western society. That's relative. Now it's oh no no no, the, the this culture. Is the right this way. is the right way. Yeah, the culture yeah. that sacrifices their children. <laughs> that's the objective standard. I mean, it's crazy stuff.
1: Yeah, no, I, I totally uh, agree. One of the fascinating parts about the the James O'Keefe interview was that the whole double standard of the media. You know that they would press on Project Veritas. For for doing the same thing that CNN does, but because it's Project Veritas, they get they get dragged through the mud about it. I, th- I think that that on a macro level just shows how incredibly I don't know I don't know if they're conscious of it or are they conscious of rewriting the rules, saying that nothing matters, and then pivoting to this place where ever, it's only their way, or is it something that's subconscious? I, I don't. know Well, I, I think know.
0: it goes back to the you know 1984, the inner the outer part. I think the inner party, the inner circle, the people who were really calling the shots at the highest echelons of these corporations of these government agencies, they know what they're doing. They're cynical. They're openly, you know, they don't, they're shameless. They don't care. Many of them are sociopaths. They're, they're calling the shots. Then there's this, outer party, which are people that are just smart enough to do their jobs, but they're not smart enough to actually see what's actually happening. And there's probably like a, a, a degree of that that's
1: like self-interest, right? Yeah. Like, this works for me, this is going to pay my bills, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Th-
0: and he brought that up. He said a yeah. lot of these people, you know, they go along with all this kind of corruption that they're seeing because they got to pay their mortgage, they right. got they're beholden to the banks. And that's kind of the society we're living in, because you don't have a society of free people. You have a society of people that are in debt, right. whether it's to the bank, whether it's to the student loans, whether it's to whatever, and they can't speak freely they they don't they can't risk losing a job they can't risk uh you know being out there publicly and having their own opinion because the second they do all of society is just gonna Crash around them And their whole world is over
1: Yeah Yeah No I, I think it's It's really interesting And then when When I think about Generationally too Whereas like Maybe the Generation X Generation before Before me I don't know if you're Technically millennial um, or not. Millennial. You're yeah, millennial Yeah Um, They kind of had This whole financial burden Of like I want to buy a house So yeah. I have to get I have to get in debt For that Whereas like Our struggle seems to be The college debt struggle yeah. And that's what I guess the The people who are Controlling
0: everything Are you That's what they're using To control these Different generations well, to be able to build a house or buy a house, but the mortgage was almost like the whole mortgage housing thing. I mean, a lot of it comes down to marketing and finance. Like they were just like, well, how can these banks make more money? Let's create financial instruments to buy what everyone wants a home. And then it became, well, now what do we want? Well, everyone wants a college degree. So let's create this whole market of student loans, which never used to exist. People used to just pay their way through college. The government got involved. Obviously it drove up the cost. The banks were able to lend more. It's this whole cyclical thing. And it's basically, they, need you chasing debt
1: yeah
0: uh, to find value to to be worth to live a good life and then you're in you're, you're basically you know you're you're a slave to that debt
1: yeah I heard a, I heard a I guess a statistic that was like adjusted for inflation people people back in like the 1960s and 50s would have to make somewhere around 40 grand to be able to marry uh, house two children you know to have a successful life and retire whereas now with 40 grand you, even adjusted for inflation let's say that's 80 now. You still
0: can't really do much, especially here in New York. Oh, forget it. No. It's it's and that's what's happening all over the West. Like people cannot, they, it used to be you only needed one income, you know, a dad working, mom at home, whatever. And I'm not saying everyone has to do that, but I'm right. just talking pure numbers here, pure finances. It used to be one income could literally support a family of four mm-hmm. living a quality middle class lifestyle you could have two incomes today and not be able to have one child or even have a basic middle-class income in a place yeah. like New York. It's impossible. It's yeah. impossible. And that's why no one's having kids. That's why everyone's giving up. It's just like they're constantly chasing, they're chasing up the corporate ladder, but they're not seeing any dividends. Yeah, I
1: do you think that that's what's influencing the whole Bernie Sanders generation where it's like, well, I just want free money from the government. If, if I can't get a job to actually pay me the amount I need to survive, a working wage, or what is a living wage, yeah. as Bernie would call it, then why should I even try? Why not just let the government and take care of it do you think that's like
0: i think a lot of reason? them have have very legitimate just grievances i mean they were sold a bill of goods growing up the american dream they do better than the parents all that and it hasn't happened for them it's happened for a lot of different factors there's right. a lot of different variables i think people like bernie and a lot on the left either intentionally or or just you know unintentionally just sort of sell them this easy you know get out of jail free card they try yeah. to sell them the free lunch myth but i i i don't Agree with many Republicans and conservatives who make fun of their grievances because a lot of them, through no fault of their own, they were born into a society, a world that is not the same as their parents. They don't have the same opportunities as their parents. They don't have the same jobs as their parents. Um, you know, they have to constantly—it's—it's—it's it's, it's great inflation. They have to get a graduate degree now, or they have to get a doctorate degree. Right. The degrees cost more money. It higher cost of living. I mean, there's a lot of factors that have changed. Generationally, and that's why you get the that's why there's a lot of generational divide right now. You have the boomers making fun of the millennials, you have the millennials making fun of the boomers, <laughs> and they're basically all squabbling amongst themselves. But and it's then Gen really Z is sitting there like just disenfranchised, just like ah, you guys are all
1: whack. Like Yeah, well, Gen yeah, yeah. Z is all off. they're all over
0: the rails. I mean, just go on TikTok, you'll see <laughs> yeah, what's going on. But exactly. yeah, but it's really just it's all this bickering when all these forces behind the scenes, whether it's you know the Fed or or the inflation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, big government, it's creating this misery and it's it's lowering our standards of living. It's lowering our purchasing power and we're just not living as good lives as we used to.
1: Yeah, I think that impacts uh- – us on a cultural level too, because I mean that when the finances aren't right, now you have to look to, I guess, inspiration. You have to look to motivation, and you have to figure out how you're going to get to that next place, and what comes in place instead of, I guess, parents that would be able to teach you the right way to go through that. You're not listening to your parents because they had different opportunities, their world was different. So you're looking to public figures, you're looking to celebrities, people like I don't know anybody from Beyonce, and Kanye, to you know wh- whoever whoever you may you may enjoy, and and i think like it's shifting our culture in this weird direction where now it's like instead of like you said a nuclear family with a mother and father and the the father provides and the wife stays at home we're looking we're looking more towards like this like this power couple thing and like all, all of these things are kind of being pushed on us because, well, it's the only option we have at this point, right. you know. And and I think it's it's a weird place that we're at, and that's why I like to talk about kind of the nuclear family, and I like to talk about things that that are classic and timeless because just because the, co- the economy has changed doesn't mean that those things are going to stop working necessarily. Agreed.
0: I mean, we it's 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 this mo- it's this arrogance of modernity that says, oh well, all these institutions and traditions that have carried humanity for thousands of years, they're just bad because they're old. <laughs> and like we don't have to do that cuz we're cool, we're hip, you know, we work at a 9 to 5 job at a media agency and you know, we don't need, you know, to to do all these things that every generation, you know, for the fast 2,000 years has done that got right. you to that point, you know, because we're smarter and better than them. But that's that's just arrogance. It's not yeah. true. I mean, if anything, we've regressed as a society in so many ways. I mean, I think a lot of people are dumber now. I think a lot of people are more, uh, you know, they don't have the quality of living. I mean, obviously everyone, it's very easy to point to technology. Yes, technology has improved, mm-hmm. but are we happier? Are we living right. more fulfilling lives? No, but then you can't bring that up because people are like, oh, you want to go back to the 1900s? You know, they didn't have, you know, modern medicine. No, I'm not saying that. Yeah. I'm giving a nuanced opinion that says that there are parts of history that they did things better, that they were smarter, that they lived more fulfilling lives, and if we can blend that with, you know, maybe better technology. Yes, I don't want to. I'm not like a luddite. I'm not against. Like, I'm not going to be like, oh, get off your phones. Yeah, right. We just have to have, you know, a better under. We just have to be, you know, raised better, or just no more to live a better life with this new technology that we have. I mean, maybe that sounds kind of all over the place, but that's how I feel. Yeah,
1: no, I agree. I, I think uh, we've been robbed of our. Want or desire to chase fulfillment instead of chasing happiness, right? We've been told you need to be happy with yourself. You have to love yourself, this self-love culture thing, which all it really does is reinforce your own emotions back to yourself. And you start living in your own echo chamber, even away from like people who have your same political opinions. Now you're stuck in this place where you're, you're saying to yourself, I'm just not happy at this job. Right. Even though this job is paying me well, this job is supporting my lifestyle. You know, I get fulfillment from this job. It's just not making me happy. And so now we have like a bunch of people who are my age in their thirties, and they're like, I've just never been happy, and there's broken marriages because of it. You know, there's there's parents who have left their children, depression, because of the suicide, depression. drug use are all up. I'll, um, I'll, I'll, I have I have two close friends of mine that that committed suicide within the past five years. Wow, you know, and and it. They lived incredible lives. Like they had, they had money. They had family. On paper, they should be happy. But why aren't they? But why aren't they? No one's asking that question, right? And and that's where I think, like this, this, like you were saying, modernity has kind of forced us away from our spirituality and into this place where we need to have the the isolated, perfect, highlight real life in order for us to feel like we're fulfilled or feel like we sh- were worthy of whatever living in the moment
0: want. chasing the the social credit chasing the you know approval of others you know not living for a higher purpose i mean it used to be you know what's your higher purpose uh, raise a family start a business right. uh you know god whatever it is they had something that was greater than themselves. Now mm-hmm. it's just themselves and everyone's kind of not really, no one wants to admit it because no one wants to say that they're miserable. No one wants to say yeah. that they're unhappy, but you look at all the studies, you just look at the general vibe and atmosphere, especially people that are younger. Yeah. Uh, and it's pretty obvious.
1: Yeah. And you can look as far as YouTube ads or like TV commercials, you'll, as a reflection see, of the culture. Oh, yeah. yeah. And you'll see how, how incredibly self-focused we are as a culture. Mm. And there's, there's nothing outside of ourselves anymore. More like you said, even ten years ago, people had a goal to be married to have kids, yep. and now that's not even like an acceptable goal. Like you can tell a woman, all right, you want married, you want to be married and have kids, but. What about your career? Right. What do you want your career well, it's, to be? It's
0: kind of, it's, it's the great <laughs> feminist lie yeah. where they went out there, and says, you know what's going to make you happy and empowered? Working in a cubicle nine to six every day for the rest of your life, you know, making spreadsheets and, uh, you know, reporting to a boss you hate. That's how you're going to be happy. Right, right. And it's like, they just sold people how to be wage slaves their entire lives. and And they just put it under this, this umbrella of feminism. Yes. And it's like, Wow, they really pulled a number on everyone.
1: I think it's uh, Judith Butler, the uh, the popular feminist. She uh, she's quoted in a book saying that we can't allow women to have
0: the choice between motherhood and their careers because they'll choose motherhood, <laughs> and that's what they're so scared of. Because if yeah. you actually look at the studies, the polling, whatever, I mean, most most people want to settle down. They want to have larger families. A lot of it comes down to finances or economics, mm-hmm. and a lot of it maybe comes down to social pressure that's pushing them away. Right. So that's why they have to constantly demonize and make fun of and belittle you know, traditional lifestyles. And like, look, I'm not saying everyone has to live that life. If you, if you, you know, there, there's universals and there's generals. You know, generally speaking, I think most people would, would, would trend towards that traditional lifestyle. I think that would make more people happier, but it's not a universal. You're going to find the one person who just doesn't want to do that. They don't want to have kids. They want to do it fine. No one's saying everyone has to do that, but we've gotten to this point where no one understands that nuance. No one understands that, that distinction. And they're just trying to push their regressive agenda on everyone under the guise of equality and equity and femininity or feminism, not femininity, because that's, that's, you can't have femininity <laughs> can't and feminism. Femininity, no, no, man. you have, I mean, it's, oh God, it's insane, man. It's insane, but it, it, it really is, you know, there's starting to be these parallels between the right and the left because the left, you know, they're not all in the culture, but they're looking at some of the, the this kind of like hyper capitalism and this corporatism and, you know, maybe chasing after these these corporate jobs forever. And they're saying, I don't like that. And now the right is starting to wake up and they're saying, you know what, like this does not support our traditions, our culture, our traditional ways of life. So there's kind of like these weird parallels being formed and like bridges between the left and the right to take down this kind of new system that we've built that really everyone hates. That's such an interesting
1: point because one of the overlaps that I see between uh, specifically feminism on the left is is the overlap with corporatism, mm. right? Like these... these a typical person who considers themselves a femi- feminist is like chasing these like high empowered jobs that are in corporate America, high status, high status. Like they want to be powerful, and it, and it's a weird thing to chase if your political ideology is all about equality, right? And and so there's that there's a contradiction and overlap there with people on the right who are just like I want a good paying job and right. I want to make more money, and 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 it's weird to see it see it sort itself out, you know? Right. How are people? But I am I am like kind of on par with you when it comes to populism, where I think, I think there's a big movement of people that are just like, I don't even want to go to college. I just want a good paying job. I want to, I want to support my family. And I'm seeing that bubble up again, especially in this like next generation, Gen Z. I know a lot of kids that are like just leaving high school who have no interest in college. Like they already have. It's a
0: waste. Yeah. You don't learn anything. You go in there, you spend 50, 60 grand a year. You learn nothing. You lose four years where you could be working and learning a real skill. Imagine like, you know, you spent four years learning how to do video editing and, and just do videos yeah. and you can learn that. You are you can learn that on your own. You don't need to go to school for that. And you work and if you work during those 4 years, you build up enough money to get your own equipment. I mean, you're independent at that point. You could work or do anything. And I think the one of the one of the the silver linings with COVID is that it sort of killed the concentration of capital and wealth in the cities. Mm. So, everyone had to come to New York or LA or Chicago to have a job, and it's super expensive and you get stuck in this rat race where you're constantly having to work these these crappy jobs, and you're not really improving your life because you're just you're just moving like marginally up the ladder. Right. But now people can go live in places that are really cheap and affordable to live to. It's like, you want to live in, you know, the middle of nowhere, Kentucky? Yeah, you can go live there. You can work remotely. You could do all the same things you had to do, what you were doing in Manhattan, but you can do it in West Virginia and pay nothing and live a way better life. So I think this- this, uh, you know, uh, what's a decentralization of everything is actually going to be really uh, a, a massive factor in improving people's lives over the next 10 years. Silver lining.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I It's interesting seeing what's happening with Miami and Texas, particularly. Even like Nashville, I'm, there's so many, I, I, I'm obsessed with podcasts so I watch. Like most of the podcasts that I'm watching are either moving to Miami or to, or yeah. to Texas. I mean, obviously everybody knows Joe Rogan moved right. there. But- It's cool to see that there's gonna be like these little economies that are gonna spring up everywhere. It's not
0: a monopoly that's just like New York or LA, which, look, I'm, I'm, I'm from New York. I'm born and raised here. I love New York. I'm definitely a New York, uh, you know, (laughs) nationalist if that's a thing. But I think it's a good thing that there's these other cities that could grow and you decentralize everything so it's not just this elite that's focused in one area because really, the people that have been running our country for the longest time have been these coastal elites that see the world only through their, you know, between Fifth Avenue and Park and that's it. And I think it'll be great if, you know, I I think a lot of the people moving to Austin are probably, you know, hipsters from Brooklyn who are just as bad, but I think there is some good things going on there that it's more spread out.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and it also spreads out the competition in those things in those areas too, because you know if you're if you're somebody that's a musician, you obviously want to go out to l a you right. want you want to do that, but now, with all of these things popping up everywhere, you can stay in your home state, maybe move to the city yep. there. And you can be the best musician there with the, with the advent of the internet. You can, you can take over the industry from your home state.
0: It's a good to. thing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's rewarding. I think, you know, w- there were trends that were going in this direction pre-COVID. I think COVID accelerated it. Yeah. I think obviously bandwidth or whatever the tech side of it has improved. So you can do all this remote stuff. Um, but I think it's going to give people a lot more freedom. You know, people who are, do, could do freelance work. They could do work that doesn't require them to be in an office. It doesn't require them to work, you know, because a lot of times people are working in office nine to five. I, they get their jobs done within an hour. I mean, I've worked a lot of my jobs. I've worked in like you know major media companies, corporations. I got my jo- I got my work done within like an hour or two. Right. And the rest of it's just busy work. You're just sitting there, and it's wasteful. It's wasting your your time. It's wasting you know hours you could be productive. Hours you could be building a business, learning a skill, doing something. So I think we're cutting through all this BS, this bureaucracy, this red tape. And it's like, listen. I could get the job that people were getting paid, you know, your 60 grand a year, basic corporate entry level job, whatever it is, 40, 50, you know, I'll do that in two hours a day and the rest of the time I'll, I'll do whatever the hell I want to do. Right. And people are going to have more free time. They're going to be able to pursue more skills. I think it's going to, I think it's going to create a kind of a renaissance in some ways. I hope. I think you know the other side of this is that big tech and these interests are going to try to squash anything that really you know uh, is genuine, it's authentic, and it's it's creative. I think you know everything has to be corporatized, it has to be watered down, It has to be PC, and I think there's going to be this battle between those two ends of it.
1: Yeah, I well, on the tech side, I do enjoy what's happening with Gab and Parler and all these places, but more than anything, like I, I'm not I'm not partial to any of them. I don't think any of them are the winners yet, but yeah. I love the fact that there are more companies that are coming out now, uh, even like Clubhouse. you know, yeah. We don't really know who the owner is yet. We don't know much about them. Rumor has it that they're cracking down a little bit on or they're starting to write articles about the talks that are being had. Unfettered discussions. <laughs> yeah. We yeah.
0: have to shut it. I, I've got so many uh, invites to, to Clubhouse since it started. When I first heard about it, everyone was like, it's a more left-wing Twitter. And I said, how could you get more left-wing than Twitter? No. This place must be insane. But now I think it's just changed because I think a lot of people have just Got on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I haven't been on it. You could tell me. Are, are you on it? I'm on
1: it. Um, I got invited by my last podcast guest, Lavoisier um, and he's a realtor in Texas. So he hold, he holds little chat rooms that are just talking about real estate in Texas. Where hmm. he'll do like a Bible one, a Bible room. And but what see. is it? It's, it's a chat room. So think of chat rooms in the 1990s, but it's with voices. So and it's live, and it's live, and the pers- the admin can actually decide who speaks and who doesn't. And it and these get saved
0: after, like you know. Can- Oh, they don't get saved. They don't get saved. So you have to tune
1: in live, which is why, which is why I think there's an appeal for more, more popular people. Like Elon and Kanye were going to host a room together. Uh I think that's what the, the appeal of it is that it disappears. Like, and it's
0: it's almost like Snapchat. Yeah. For long yeah. but it's long form. It long disappears form. after but like people there's a bunch of people just watching and then they can pick people to speak so it could become like a discussion. Yeah. So it's like a podcast. We have a bunch of people. Um we can say, hey, come up to the microphone and say, All right, now you You don't leave. see them though. No, you don't see them. Oh, it's only audio. Yeah, it's strictly it's audio. And then and then the I think the I'm like a boomer asking <laughs> you, like, what is this thing? I should just go on and learn. I'm an idiot, but Yeah,
1: no, and I think the appeal is that it's like a podcast that's live, and then if you weren't there, you just don't hear
0: it. Interesting. You
1: know, the, the, the weird part is, of course, you're always going to have people screen recording and then
0: uploading to YouTube right. and stuff or stuff like that. But, but people follow different rooms?
1: Yeah. So okay. you can follow the, You can host a room that happens regularly, or you can just host one out of nowhere. And does and the
0: rooms stay there? Like, you could have room followers? Like, can yeah. you measure followers and so all that? So on your profile
1: itself, it, it has, like, the rooms that you belong to on your profile. Okay.
0: Clubhouse should sponsor us for yeah, showing and, everybody and how I know, this works. So, yeah. good. Come on. Come on. We need some money here. That's interesting. But look, I mean, that's a new platform. I think that's good. The problem is like, even when Snapchat first came out, it was a new platform, but then they made Instagram stories. Right. And they changed it. Now everyone's, got, and then they had TikTok. Now it's, now it's Reels or whatever the hell it is. So I feel like they're gonna, every time a new technology pops up, they're either gonna buy it or co-opt it, and it's just gonna become part of like this this, this, the tentacles, the web, you know, this biomass of big tech. And they're just, you know, the flood from Halo. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. going to be like the flood in Halo where they took Captain Keys and his faces in it. It's like Clubhouse is going to be in this giant thing. And it's just like, all right, well, now it's, instead of Clubhouse, it's, it's Facebook house. And right, it's like, right, come right. on Facebook and do it. It's just, and then it's never as good.
1: Right. I – I was scared of that. And I think that was what I believed until maybe about a week ago. The the reason that I, I I've changed my mind on it is because I I see Instagram and it's like Facebook's best company, honestly. Yeah. Um they're strictly visual. Everything yeah. there it has to be visual, tangible, you have to be able to see it because that's what the that's what the interface requires. That's what people go on there to do. I think the fact that this is strictly voice Maybe they'll incorporate it into WhatsApp and it won't take as well. Maybe they'll just buy it outright. I think that's the be- the most realistic situation is that they buy Clubhouse and just say Clubhouse by Facebook, <laughs> hmm. you know. But I don't see them incorporating it into Instagram because it's not really a threat to them. People advertise the Clubhouse on Instagram and then they go from there
0: and they leave the platform. But I mean, I think even Instagram and Facebook, I mean, they're all kind of just they're just getting old. They're yeah. just I think these things have they like we think like these things have been around for so long, but they really haven't and I. I think they do have shelf lives and they're going to just kind of – people are just going to get sick of it. You I think they're going to look for something new and you could change the UI and you could add new features or filters, or whatever the hell they do. But I think people are just going to get bored of it. Like yeah. people don't even really use Facebook anymore socially. Like everyone has a Facebook, but they're not like using it that much. Right, right. Twitter, I mean it's not even – Twitter's not like, like – I don't even consider Twitter like a personal platform. It's mostly like – public figures and journalists and politicians talking it's not like you know it's not like a bunch of people like you know go on there and talk about their personal lives i mean some do but it's not like that so i think instagram it's gonna get stale people are gonna just move on and i think these that's probably the best thing that's gonna happen is that people are just gonna get sick of them and it's just gonna move on to the next thing because it's like a dopamine rush they need something new they need something better
1: yeah well i think they they always start you know Very targeted towards age Right With with TikTok It was musically first It was targeted yeah, interesting. To Like 15 years Because they earlier. had all You could put the music overlay Right exactly. And it's yeah. just literally your voicing stuff You know And yeah. you're speeding it up Or slowing it down And then they became TikTok And it expanded to like 18 and under And then little by little The more people are on there Once you hit the 20s People in their 20s They're having kids So the, the parents want to see The kids that they're posting And so now you have The, the That's how Facebook X. That's the same thing Happened to yeah. Facebook
0: It started with the colleges and, and it's the life cycle And then it went down To like the high school kids and the parents start getting in and then it just encapsulated everything. It's interesting. I mean, it's kind of like you could write like the rise and fall of a social network because it kind of all follows the same sort of methods that they grow and they rise and they drop, they fall. But um. You know, I want to have you back on, man, because like, I think we could just like riff about tech and like culture and things forever. But, uh, you know, I'll give the last word to you. Let us know where, where everyone can follow you and what you're doing. I know you have a podcast. Please yeah. plug it in.
1: Sure. So make sure you subscribe to the WaxCast, first of all, <laughs> because uh, there's big things coming and um, huge,
0: <laughs> huge things. Huge.
1: coming. Uh, also, I'm on YouTube, Angel Quiroz, Q-U-I-R-O-Z, or you could follow me on, on Instagram, which is probably where I spend
0: most of my time, even though we would just bash it for half an hour, uh, <laughs> underscore Angel Quiroz. Rosie. And you can't, I can't find you. I was trying to tag you for some things earlier. You don't come up. I mean, you have some kind of, you know, there's some internal warning on you or something. I don't know. Bookmark it or save, save my
1: post to break the shadow ban. <laughs> I love it. And then,
0: everyone, we're going to have more episodes of the Waxcast coming to you soon. Don't forget to leave a five star review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and subscribe, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, the whole thing. And we will be back with more episodes coming to you soon.